Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. God says to you, things are going to get very bad, but don't be afraid. Don't fear dying more than me. Don't trust in earthly powers more than me. Don't love your life or anything else more than me. Turn to me. I'm going to deliver you. And I'm going to give you a sign that I will. What's the sign? Well, there's actually two. First, behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you should call his name Emmanuel. What's your response? Well, if you're one of God's people living in Jerusalem in about the year 700 B.C., your response is to sing, to sing a hymn. And we have that hymn recorded for us in Scripture. It's Psalm 80, the one we sang earlier. I think it's one of the most beautiful examples of Hebrew poetry that we have in Scripture. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. Before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, stir up your strength and come and save us. Last week in Bible study catechesis, we looked at Isaiah's telescopic prophecy to Ahaz. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. The prophet Isaiah is seeing three things at the same time. He's seeing a war between uh, Israel, Judah, and Assyria that's going to happen within nine months. He's seeing the birth of the Messiah to a virgin in about 700 years. And he's seeing the coming again of the Messiah as the bringer of complete peace and the restoration of Israel at the end of time. This psalm... Psalm 80 was written in response to that first event, the war with Assyria. But it speaks to us today as we prepare for our Emmanuel's coming again at the last day. So try to imagine this. It's 700 years before Christ is born. God, through the prophet Isaiah, is prophesying to the king Ahaz that the northern kingdom of Israel, referenced in the psalm by Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, is going to try to overtake Jerusalem, thinking that if they could, if they could command the forces of Judah, they could have enough manpower to, 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 to overtake, uh, to, to defeat the power, the world power of the Assyrians. So they, they fear death more than God, they love their lives more than God, and they trust in their military might more than God. And so God calls Ahaz, the king of Judah, Before all this happens, he calls him to faith, to trust in him for salvation. And God would give him a sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. But Ahaz refused. So now, God says the Assyrians would come upon and take into exile not only Israel, but also just about wipe out all of Judah as well. And so during the exile of Israel in Assyria, refugees from the northern kingdom of Israel come to Jerusalem, to Zion, to Mount Zion, the fortress, the sanctuary 
for, 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 for the fortress, for refuge, for sanctuary. And it's there they cry out, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. Stir up your strength and come and save us. So even though Ahaz, their king, was unfaithful and rejected the sign of Emmanuel, the faithful receive the sign and they pray in Psalm 80, essentially, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Israel and Judah are looking forward to the Messiah's first coming, his first advent as a baby born of a virgin. And they say, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. Between the cherubim. These are the cherubim, the, the angels that sat on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And now that Indiana Jones is back in the, in the spotlight after the trailer that dropped this week, uh, remember the, the, the Ark of the Covenant and Raiders of the Lost Ark with the two angels uh, on top? Uh, that's, that's what's being referenced here. God dwells between the cherubim. Uh, there between the cherubim, that was called the, the mercy seat. That's where God located himself. And it's on the mercy seat that God showed mercy. It's there that he made atonement for the sacrifices. For people who, who could not atone for themselves, God still accepted their sacrifices for the sake of the coming Emmanuel. And so Psalm 80 is our prayer too. We need to pray it. Stir up your strength and come and save us. Because we are in exile too. We're in exile between the Messiah's first coming and his second coming. In a foreign nation that's not our true home, and yet we too have come to Mount Zion, to the temple, to the sanctuary, to the church, to the place where God dwells between the cherubim, where God locates himself in bread and wine. At the heart of this psalm is the refrain which appears over and over again that, that you were saying earlier. Restore us, O God, cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. Now, the word restore, or a form of it, shows up again and again in the psalm. It's the word for repent. Repent. Repent has this, this meaning of turning. Uh, return, repent, repent. So to turn away from sin and to turn to God. So repentance is not merely feeling sorry for sin not really just feeling sorry that you did something wrong, but, but actually turning away from it, to be contrite and turn away from sin and towards something better or someone better, someone holy. But this action of repenting is not ours. This action of turning is not ours. We're not the ones doing the turning. We can't. We're dead in sin. A dead person can't so much as turn around, let alone turn himself from death to life, from sin to righteousness. So the action of repentance is on God. God is the one doing the repenting, doing the turning, turning us from sin to life. Now that's a bit awkward to say in English, repent us, O God. So we could say, turn us, O God, restore us, O God, or convert us, O God. 
Let me read the psalm again to you, a little bit of it to you again. See if you can pick out all the repenting, all the turning. Return, we beseech you, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see and visit this vine. Then we will not turn back from you. Revive us and we will call upon your name. Restore us, turn us, O Lord God of hosts. Cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. So in the face of trouble, of impending doom, the answer of God's people is to repent. A prayer that God would turn away from their sin, that they would turn away from their sin, and that God would turn them back to himself. And this conversion doesn't just happen once. You know, it's, it's not like Ebenezer Scrooge who, who converts in one night and then he's good after that. God's people pray for continual repentance, continual conversion. We need to be continually turned to God. So think about your own response to trouble. Has it been or is it one of repentance? What was your prayer like in March of 2020? What was your prayer like at the start of the war with Ukraine? What is your prayer like in the face of bad news, a diagnosis of death? You know, usually we, we jump straight to the plea. We skip over the turn us, repent us, O God, and we skip to cause your face to shine and save us. Take the problem away from us. Take this away from me. Give me, give me some good news. Shine your face, face on me. It's very difficult to pray in the face of trouble for my own sin. Because we want to believe that we're actually better, that we actually don't deserve this, that we, we deserve something better. And so we need to pray this. And we have to learn to pray it because even though in the moment our problem may seem to be whatever outward thing is happening to me, whether pandemic, war, personal famine, loss, uh, loneliness, death, the root problem is that of sin and of our turning away from God. We need to be turned to God. And we need to see the world as God sees it, from, be, from sitting between the cherubim, full of mercy. Restore us, O God. Cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. And we hear this every Sunday in the benediction. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And he does. Because Jesus suffered the turning away of his Father's face on the cross when he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned away from me? Why have you turned your face away from me? The turning away of God's face is nothing other than hell. So the reality is that no matter what we are going through now, the Father's face is never turned away from us. Even though it may seem like it at times. The Father's face is never toward us because of Jesus, or never turned away from us because of Jesus. It is always toward us. And yet, as we pray to be turned to God, something amazing happens. And did you notice, as you sang the refrain in that psalm, it, it, it expanded each time. Maybe it caught you off guard. Uh, it grew each time. Restore us, O God. Restore us, O God of hosts. Restore us, O Lord, God of hosts. 
as we are converted, as we are turned, as we are continually brought to repentance, God's face is revealed to us more and more. Like a bride's veil being lifted so her groom can, can, is slowly given a better picture of his beautiful bride, so through repentance and faith, when one turns to God, the veil is taken away. In the face of trouble and sin, through faith, God's signs to us begin to become clear. And we're left with a picture of, of a God who's, whose face is, is not angry or wrathful or, or vengeful, but full of grace and mercy. Now, I mentioned that there's two signs before. The first was God's prophecy to Ahaz, which has been fulfilled. The virgin shall be with child. That same Jesus tells us this. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And on the earth, nations will be in anguish, in perplexity, the roaring of the sea and the surging waves, people fainting from fear and the expectation of things coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. <clears throat> this is really not so different from the prophecy to Ahaz. St. Paul says that all creation is groaning uh, and is in pain like a woman about to give birth. As the last day approaches, <clears throat> things are going to get very bad. And suddenly, when the fullness of time comes, everything is going to erupt, and the Son of Man is going to come. He's going to descend with power and glory from the clouds. And as this happens, nations and people who refuse to believe the sign like Ahaz, will be in anguish. They will fear death more than God. They will love their lives more than God, and they will trust in anything other than God to save them. They will want deliverance, but they will turn away from God. And though they will see God's face, and everyone will, his face to them will not be one of grace or mercy. But you, you, Jesus, says, you who are converted, you who are turned, you who pray to God to continually turn you, to turn you to him and him to you, when these things begin to happen, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is near. Look with confidence on the face of God. We stand united with the people of Israel from long ago who looked for the coming Emmanuel. At Christmas, we celebrate, as we celebrate the fulfillment of their advent, the first coming of the Messiah, we look forward to our advent. We'll sing on Christmas Eve in anticipation of the Messiah causing his face to shine on us when he comes again. This hymn, which I think you know, Son of God, love's pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Cause your face to shine, O Lord, and we shall be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.